This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Wednesday afternoon. We are live on location at Roosevelt on 17th Avenue, 9th Street. It is part of our patio tour. Every couple of weeks, we check out a different patio along 17th Avenue, and we have ideal conditions. Considering earlier today, I looked out and I thought, eh, is there really rain in the forecast? No rain. We've got lots of sunshine, and if you can drop by, great. Here we are, August 2nd. And maybe you might be thinking, why are you talking about achievement test, standardized testing? Definitely parents are thinking, the last thing on my mind right now is school. I'm enjoying my time without having to get the kids off to school. But this is obviously a topic that is very divisive. We have people who believe strongly in standardized testing, and then we have a group of people who say, what's the benefit? What are we really measuring? And that's why I want to introduce Chris Tinkin. He is Associate Professor of Education Leadership Management and Policy, Seton Hall University in the States, joins us today. Hello, Chris. Hi, Angela. Thanks for having me. You bet. And I know, of course, you are in the States, but I think the same concerns, the pros and cons of standardized testing go both ways, whether it's Canada or the U.S. So I'm glad you had some time for us because I think the big concern when it comes to standardized testing is what are we really testing? What are we determining when we put students through these tests? And and what are your views when it comes to the standardized tests? Well, I think, I think you're right on with that question. That's a question that parents ask all the time. What are we really measuring? What kind of information are we really getting? And colleagues and I have been doing a series of studies over the past five years, and we're finding that tests more often are measuring things that, uh, that, that affect kids outside of school and not so much what they're learning or, or how well their teacher is teaching. You went so far as to say that you could predict the outcome of scores. What were you looking at when you said, not even knowing what the test was all about, what were you looking at to determine what those results would be? Sure. Well, there's a long history of out-of-school factors affecting student achievement. And so we started looking at census data uh, based on some research that showed that factors like single-parent homes or the amount of people in, in poverty in a community, uh, families in poverty, uh, whether or not uh, the parents are full-time employed. So factors that affect the lives of kids, but you might not directly link them to school. And what we found in several states, uh, New Jersey, Michigan, uh, Iowa, Massachusetts, and Connecticut, we found in those states on all different kinds of tests, there's, uh, there's several factors that aren't directly related at the school, but they can actually predict the percentage of kids who will score proficient on their state tests. And Chris, you know what, as you say that, I'm thinking, well, that's a no-brainer, and that's probably one of the concerns I've always had, even with standardized tests here, because you think that students who are in more affluent communities, they are going to have access to more resources, they're going to have maybe two parents at home that will be able to give them more attention in their, in their schooling. Is that what you were finding then? Well, actually, what, what we're finding is a set of variables 
that you could use to predict to, to predict the percentage of kids who will pass a test in, in any school, whether it be a, a school that serves wealthy kids, a school that serves uh, students from poverty, regardless of the of the uh, of the type of school, uh, this basket of characteristics can be used to predict the results. So that that you know that led to the question: So what are these tests really telling teachers? What are they really telling parents? And what are they really telling students? Regardless of of where you live, we can predict the results. Well, and you say the basket of characteristics, that's back to what you were talking about, the single parent home, the uh, level of education that parents have. Is that part of that basket? Yes, yes, exactly. So, so what we're finding is these tests don't really tell us how much kids are learning or how well their teachers are teaching. So then that leads us to the other, you know, the next question is why are we spending, at least in, in, in the U.S., we're spending hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on tests that really don't tell us anything about education. Do you see the need, though, for any level of government? Well, in particular, we're talking about a provincial level of government to see mm-hmm. the the type of education that our students are receiving, some way of indicating whether or not we've got to make changes in the curriculum or we're not focusing in one area of the curriculum enough. Angela, absolutely. And I think I think you're getting at this point where there needs to be uh, a balanced approach to education policy and, and education assessment in, in particular because it's the assessment that's being used as the accountability mechanism. So in the, in the U.S., we actually have a pretty good history of having some large-scale collaborations between state departments of education. For you, that would be the, the, the province level, uh, state departments of education and school districts. For example, we had a, a statewide assessment system in Nebraska uh, prior to uh, 2002 when George, w., when George W. Bush took over. This statewide assessment system was a collaboration between teacher-made assessments at the local level, some state-mandated uh, assessments, and then uh, state department officials would act as auditors for some of the school-level assessments made by the teachers. So you had the best of both worlds. You had the teachers were there every day teaching the curriculum, making the assessments, testing the kids, getting results. And then you had the State Department auditing the quality of those tests and verifying, yeah, so these are good tests. The results you're getting at the local level are good. And then on the back end, they would they would deliver some, uh, you know, basic standardized tests for mathematics, computation, or some other things that are easy to measure. And when you put that all together, you had a much better picture of uh, what students were learning, how well they were learning, and what they needed. Because in effect, what they were using was what's called a scrapbook approach. Multiple indicators to give you a, a fuller picture of the school and the student. Well, and I like the fact that you said it was more at the local level because, you know, when you talk about the states or our provinces, they are vast and we know that there are different communities within Alberta. And so you're saying that at least then the local school is able to have its own assessment and then they're able to be uh, clearer on exactly how their students are learning or where things have to change. Absolutely. It's a balanced approach where you have the collaboration between the the state government and the local government. And that's really, at least in the United States, that's really the the backbone of our history of public education, where it's a local endeavor supported by the state. 
how much pressure, and I'm sure it's a similar story in the States, do teachers have that they've got to make sure that those results are are high, are good, because then it reflects on them. No matter what we say about standardized testing, you still look at that score, and I think some people are quick to say that this is because the teacher isn't doing a good enough job. Sure, absolutely. Right now in the U.S., we have 40 states that use the results from student standardized tests as part of the teacher's final evaluation. And in some of those states, you know, the final evaluation could mean uh, uh, bonuses or could mean employment. Uh, There's a lot of states attached to the final evaluation for the teachers. So in 40 states, they're using student test scores for teachers. And in 29 states, they're using student results to evaluate principals. So the, the pressure is on. And uh, what that causes teachers to do, as you can imagine, is they teach the things that are most likely to be on the test, and other things don't get taught. So things like creativity, innovation, entrepreneurship, uh, all those things that that really make for a a successful person, um, those things are not getting taught because the teachers are under so much pressure to teach what's on the test. That's the teachers. What about the kids? when they're having to write standardized tests. Yeah, absolutely. What we're, what we're seeing in the U.S. is uh, higher stress levels, especially now, uh, not only in, in high school, but now there's more and more reports of uh, higher stress levels for middle school kids. That's, and we see that through more and more counseling sessions at the, at the schools. Um, it, it's really starting to affect the students because I don't, I don't know uh, if, if you realize it here, in, in the U.S., our kids take a test every single year from grades 3 through 8, and then they take tests throughout high school. And in 16 states, uh, there's high school graduation exams. So if you don't pass the standardized test, you can end up not graduating high school. So the stakes and the pressure on, on students is really at an all-time high. Well, we have changed things slightly. Uh, Now it's just grade 6 and grade 9 for the standardized test. They still have the diplomas to write in high school. But even our current government is saying that they are looking at maybe changing the standardized testing, possibly getting rid of it. And even as I say that, I know I'm going to have listeners who believe in these tests. And even when you said that on the students, they face higher pressure, I know some people think, well, wait a second, we've got to quit coddling these kids. They've got to deal with this pressure. It's part of the real world that they're going to have to write these exams and be maybe tested that way. What do you say to critics that uh, raise that? Yeah, sure. Well, I think, first of all, we we need to come to the realization that standardized tests are really the lowest form of accountability because what really happens is the teacher simply, well, it's possible for the teacher to simply teach what is most likely to be tested, which at the end of the day are really lower level skills. So I've been advocating if you really want to increase accountability and improve education, we need to really think about this idea of the collaborative approach where there are local assessments that are audited by the state, that are given locally, graded locally, but audited by the state. And then there's some uh, some more of the basic uh, standardized testing, which states are good at, like, like I said, computation and some of the basic things um, to form to really form a, a portfolio for kids. So at the local level, for example, you know, teachers and schools are really good at doing things like assessing via essays, creative writing, research papers, um, projects, science experiments, presentations, debates. 
all of these kinds of things that a standardized test can't get at that you really use in life, we can test that at the at the local level. Um, so once again, I think you really need to balance the approach to, to get at the skills that kids need to be successful and actually increase the accountability because the schools are going to be accountable for developing and administering high-quality classroom assessments. Chris, thanks for starting the conversation on this. Thank you, Angela. I appreciate it. Chris Tinkin, he's Associate Professor of Education Leadership Management and Policy, Seton Hall University in the States. Now I want to hear from you. I've got about uh, 15 minutes before 3.30 that I'd love to get some texts and phone calls. I've got a number in already, 403-974-8255. As the provincial government looks at standardized tests, especially in the grade 6 and grade 9, do you think that there are better methods of testing it. 403-974-8255. I'm Angela Cocott, live on location at Roosevelt on 17th Avenue, back after this. And we are talking about standardized testing, whether or not the government should get rid of them altogether. My guest, who was from the state, said a better idea would be to have each school have their own assessment, because then you are able to say that one school district may not have the same affluence as another one. And and he said it's easy to predict the outcome of scores when you just look at some of those factors, such as, you know, the income of the parents. Are there two parents? How many single parents in that community? Four zero three nine seven four eight two five five. Let's talk about it and say hello to Stephen. Stephen, your thoughts on it? Okay, tonight we're going to read chapters one and two. Tomorrow we have a quiz. On Friday there will be a test. So you study the material for the test on Friday. Then you have to restudy the same material for the midterm again for the final. Six months later, you can't remember any of it. What's the number one reason why? Because that test had 20 questions. It should have had four. If you have four questions, you'll remember the most important part. If you can remember the most important part, then all the other stuff will come to you. Right now, Ange has not thought about the song, American Pie. She knows the chorus goes, so bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Everybody sings around the campfire. But if you know that, then you can start to remember all the other stanzas in there. And there's about seven different uh, verses in that song. And over a few minutes, you'll be able to remember, oh, yeah, somebody died, blah, blah, blah. That's how you learn all academics. And all academics is trivia until applied successfully. For instance, let's say I'm hiring someone, and one kid gets 97% on everything about heart and lungs, and then at recess goes out and has a cigarette. Another kid goes out, or, or he scored 67%, but he knew the most important stuff. Oh yeah, don't smoke cigarettes. Which person do you hire? It is not what you have in your head, it's what you how you apply it in life. So, so Stephen then how the would biggest thing. So what would you say is the the solution then? It sounds like you're saying move away from standardized testing and find other ways to assess a students what what they have actually learned. No, what I would say is I don't care about the volume of the stuff you know. I want to know if you know the most important part and how you would apply it. Yeah. Because, you know, there's five articles of the Quebec Act of 1774. You don't remember any of them. But if if you can remember the most important part was the fact that it gave French Canadians uh, their rights to live within the province of Canada, then you can start to remember, oh, yeah, it gave them language, religion, French civil code, voice and government, and a big chunk of Louisiana territory. That's how I remember the five articles of the Quebec Act. 
it gave the French the right. And that's what I would test them on. I wouldn't test them on the five articles. I would test them what was the most important thing. It brought so, them into living conditions to survive and thrive in Canada. That's but Stephen, I think I, I just don't want to have a lesson here, but I think what you are saying is change the way the testing is done. And I think that's what my guest was saying as well. As opposed to a standardized testing that most teachers end up teaching to, you would say let's be more specific in what we are going to be testing them on. And um, I, I still think that you have to change that for for each school district or each area because your students are going to have different opportunities in affluent communities versus poorer communities. Well, we always need laborers. Uh, only fi- you know, there was a time where only 15% of the population went to university. And then now they, then everybody said, well, maybe we could have 40% of everybody going to university. Only 15% of the jobs require university education. And all that did, most of those academics ended up in government, and that's why half your paycheck goes to the government. Stephen, I think we're getting into another area. Stephen, I'm saying goodbye because, (laughs) thank you, Stephen. He, uh, Stephen's a a great listener and he's a smart guy, but I think he was starting to go down another road there. So I wanted to get in a few texts here, 403-974-8255. One person here says, your guest seems to be very concerned about the well-being and feelings of teachers. What's more important is that children be educated, not indoctrinated. I didn't really get that from Chris. I, I think he was just saying overall, standardized testing is not the most effective tool in determining what a child is learning, what level of education they are receiving, and whether or not that school is doing the right thing. Uh, Let's see, another one says, my daughter, we just completed grade six, studied for her provincial exam for about three weeks. She's in a public school. Her best friend is in a private school, studied strictly for the test for close to three months. It makes me question the validity, the validity rather, of the results. Tony, thanks for that. And that's, that's why I'm always bothered by the Fraser Institute's list of schools. And they take the results from your provincial assessment tests. And lo and behold, we've got the private schools are usually scoring very high. It's, to me, a no-brainer. And I think not only because usually there's more affluence, but also some schools, especially private schools, will really look at those scores and they know what that means when the public is looking at them. So they are going to make sure that they are teaching to the test and whether or not that is the best education for a student, that's what I would question. Another text here says, the problem with standardized tests, teachers who teach to the test. I had a teacher who spent the month before the test giving us old tests over and over. So what are you really teaching a child then? Okay, we're just going, and then it becomes rote. It becomes memory work as opposed to really understanding what's your level of understanding. Another one here says, a standardized test is like a job interview. You've got one shot to show what you've got. It may or may not be accurate, but it's a reality. And I think sometimes, too, that's another thing. So you've got that one test, and hopefully that student is on his or her A game because that school, it's going to be reflected on how they are doing. Uh, Let's take a break here for news. 403-974-8255. Haven't had a chance to talk much about the the UCP, and I know it's just uh, days old when it comes to the actual leadership, but we've had some interesting polls in the last couple of days. And I think a more important poll is what you're thinking. 403-974-8255. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to Calgary Today. 
Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.